Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Turn to the book of Jonah. We're still in chapter one. We are in the book of Jonah as a sermon series called Running from the Heart of God, and we're not very far in. We're actually going to have several messages just on chapter one because we're going to go through line upon line, precept upon precept, and we believe that God is going to bless us and give revelation to us as we open his word because that's what his word actually does every time that we do it. But let's go ahead and pray as we open our Bibles to Jonah chapter one and ask for God's blessing on our time together. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we open your word, we, we just believe that it has the power to change our lives, to transform us, to be the people that you call us to be. And so we look to you now and we ask, Lord, that you would convict us and you would instruct us, you would sharpen us. Lord, we pray that you would give us all that we need and fill us with the Holy Spirit that we might walk out what your word is telling us in these days. Lord, we need you to lead us and guide us and we trust that you are, but we ask that you would continue to make us aware of your presence and continue to help us understand your word. We love you and we look forward to what you're about to do in Jesus' mighty name. Today, my sermon is entitled, Asleep in the Storm, and we're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 1 and verse 4 through 9, but I want to read to you before we do, I want to read to you that entire passage, verse 1 through 8, because we've, as we go through the book of Jonah, I believe that the book of Jonah is widely known, but it's not widely understood. We looked at Jonah's life, my message was running from God. We see that jo Jonah was running from the word of God. Jonah was running from his calling. And the Bible says that Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. And when we run from God, something that we know is that there are consequences as a result of that, which is exactly what we're going to see as we look at the rest of these verses here in chapter one. And so here's what it says as we open the word together. Jonah chapter one, verse one, the Bible reads, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare, and he went down in, in to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, you'll remember I talked about how Joppa was not very far from where he was, and Nineveh was potentially 500 miles away, while Tarshish was about 2,500 miles away. And the idea there is that Jonah is trying to flee from the presence of the Lord as far as he can possibly go. And so he finds a ship, pays a fare, and he gets on that ship, and he is, he is trying to hide, he is trying to run, but there's nowhere that he can actually hide from the presence of the Lord. And the Bible continues to share with us, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his own God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. 
But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship. He laid down and he fell asleep. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. The casting lots was in our world, it'd be like flipping a coin. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Here's the story. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and cry against it because of their wickedness. Jonah goes the other way as we've already talked about. He flees the word of the Lord and in his mind, he's attempting to flee the presence of God. And we know this is just not possible. And we, we, cannot, we cannot actually hide from God. We can avoid God, but it's not actually possible for us to hide from him. We can pretend like we don't hear him. And I think maybe Jonah thought that his movement would somehow change what that moment was all about, that his disobedience could maybe in his mind be covered up. The things that he had decided to do, he's actually not just hiding from God, but he's hiding from the very fact that he's being disobedient and rebellious. And see, here's the thing. God's not trying to test Jonah per se. Jonah's a prophet. He's not just some average person. He's not just some regular Joe. He's a prophet of God. A prophet's job was to be a spokesman for God. So in other words, whatever God said is what they were to hear and they were to actually convey as a message. They were messengers. They weren't to come up with their own opinions, their own views, and their own version. They were simply just to share whatever God told them. And so it's just obvious that when God speaks to Jonah, no matter what the message is, no matter what where it is that he's supposed to go or whatever the mission is, that Jonah's job is actually just to do what God told him to do. And so God's not messing with Jonah. His expectation is very realistic, him being a prophet. And here's what we learn is that as Jonah flees and as he's on the run, he's not realizing the consequences that are about to come into his life. And I think that we can all relate to that. When we choose to separate ourselves from the word of God, we run from the presence of God, we run from the clear word of God in our lives, we may not realize that there's gonna be consequences, but we can all acknowledge in this moment right now that there will be consequences. He is the maker of heaven and earth. It is all about God in this life. He made us, he knows what we're designed to do. He made us for relationship with him. And when we're in relationship, when we're in alignment, when we're in covenant, when we make a decision to do our own thing and to go our own way and to somehow suppose that there won't be consequences, it's just ridiculous because we will have consequences. And that's actually what we're seeing. When Jonah sinned, many things were released. And what I want to do with you uh, with this time today is I want to share with you just three things that I see that were released as a result of Jonah's sin. Now, it may not be the most popular message during this series, but it's certainly one of the most important because sin has consequences. And that really is what this is all about. Jonah was asleep 
in the middle of a storm when he should have been awake. The first thing that we see here from this passage is that Jonah's sin released a great storm. Look at verse four. It says, God sent a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Now, this was not just some regular storm. These fishermen, these sailors, this captain of the ship, they're used to storms. They've seen them many, many times. But this is a storm that made them scared. This is a storm that actually says that the ship itself was about to break up. It was going to cause damage to the ship. And so this is a very serious storm. And guess what? God is the sender of this storm as a result of Jonah's rebellion. What do we learn from this very fact that God himself is the sender? Well, first we learn that our sin and disobedience brings about consequences. And in this case, it's actually a physical storm. And it wasn't typical and it wasn't normal. This was a very devastating type of response. This was a very devastating storm. And this might confuse us because we often ask the question, why would a loving God release a storm onto Jonah's life and against the boat and the sea that would obviously affect other people? And this is always the question that we tend to ask. We tend to ask, why would God do this? And we most often hold God's character in contempt. God is the righteous and the righteous judge. And I think sometimes instead of questioning the rebellious, we tend to question the righteous. We tend to question justice as it relates to God, who's really the only one that's qualified to bring about perfect justice, who knows what mercy truly looks like, to know what consequences need to actually happen in our lives. But we tend to, if you're like me, we tend to question the righteous instead of the rebellious. And maybe we do that because we want to protect the rebellious. Maybe we do that because we are the rebellious. However, we read something that's very important for us to consider when when seeing Jonah's life and seeing the consequence that is happening in his life right now. Hebrews chapter 12, it specifically states that God disciplines those whom he loves. And he he goes on to say why God brings about discipline in our lives. He does it because he wants us to share in his holiness. Hebrews chapter 12, God wants us to share in his holiness. And in order for him to bring about something of that in in our lives. He has to bring about discipline. Now we question why God would do this and why God would do that because we're often going through it and we're trying to reason from a human's perspective because that's really all that we have, but we're not God. And we need to trust that when God brings about consequences in our life, according to Hebrews chapter 12, it's because he disciplines those whom he loves. He's treating us like children. And this is not harsh, and this is not unjust and unrighteous of God to do that. It simply just is what it is, and it is what he needs to do in our lives to bring about his holiness, which we certainly want. Now, here's the deal. We all encounter storms in our lives. Now, not necessarily a physical storm like we're reading about here, but just to make a parallel, Sometimes the source of the storm can vary. We can experience a storm or a trial or a difficulty in our life that's a result of the sin of somebody else that's come against us. Maybe we didn't do anything wrong, but another person sins against us. And so we experience pain and difficulty and turmoil, which necessitates some kind of answer or response from us. Maybe we're experiencing a storm, a trial, or a difficulty in our lives because of the sin that we've committed. 
Maybe we're experiencing a storm in our life because of the enemy. The enemy certainly does attack us. And the Bible gives us the prescription for each type of storm that we're in. What we're reading about in the life of Jonah is that Jonah is facing a physical storm, and let's just call it a trial in his life, because God is bringing about a consequence in order to bring him back into his holiness and his call. And here's what we read about this, is that the consequence that befalls Jonah does not only affect Jonah, but it affects the sailors that are with him. And this is how sin works. When we sin, we have consequences. And when we go through those consequences, sometimes we act like those consequences are not going to affect other people. And the fact is, our sin will affect other people, either directly or indirectly. And if we have any other view, it is foolish. It is not true. We've walked enough life to know that when we do what is opposite of God's will, it will actually bring harm or pain into the lives of people around us, either by how we inflict something upon them or what we withhold from their lives. Have you ever thought about it this way? That when we sin, we are preoccupied with whatever has taken us, we are preoccupied with whatever, whatever pathway that we've chosen to follow. And as a result of it, we are literally withholding the righteousness that we are called to bring into people's lives. See, we're not considering the lives of others. We're not giving the blessing. We're not bringing about the righteous behavior that's supposed to bless the people in our lives. When we're at our best, when we're flowing in the spirit, when we're exercising what God has given to us, when we're releasing the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, gener generosity, forgiveness, mercy, all that comes from God, that happens because we're in connection with God. We're aligned with God. But when we're preoccupied with our sin, it releases consequences over our life. And the, at base level, the very minimum consequence that we experience is that we withhold the best of what God has called us to bring into the lives of other people. Maybe we think, well, my sin doesn't affect anybody else. It's personal. At very minimum, it withholds the righteous behavior that Christ wants to reveal through us to other people. And maybe we've never thought about it that way, but that certainly is the case because Jonah is not acting like a prophet in this moment. He's acting like something a whole lot different than that. The sailors are in the boat with Jonah. They're crying out to their gods. They're facing possible death. And we so often can have these types of experiences. We're in the middle of, of a trial. Maybe that storm is a result of our personal sin and everybody else around us is living in this chaos or they're going through their trials and we're literally not a minister to them at all. It's very clear that the great storm is not enough for Jonah to repent because he hardens his heart. Well, the second thing literally builds upon that that we read about from this passage, and that is that Jonah's sin released personal indifference. In verse five, Jonah goes down into the bow of the boat and he promptly falls asleep. He's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. A great sea is threatening the boat and the crew, and Jonah finds this to be the perfect moment, the perfect opportunity to go down into the bottom of the boat to try to hide himself further from now the consequences that are befalling him as a result of fleeing, as a result of running. He finds that to be the greatest moment to further hide and just fall asleep. It, it actually says that he falls into a deep sleep in some translations. And here's what we find. Indifference may not describe fully what we see here, but it's a good word to help us feel what is happening in this moment. He is indifferent. 
in, in, to the people that are all around him and what's about to happen to them. The boat is about to break. People might lose their lives. See, he may not care if he loses his life, but now he's moved to a place where he doesn't care if anybody else dies. And that's literally the progression of sin. It erodes our perspective. It erodes our understanding. It, it erodes our compassion. It erodes our otherliness, where we would simply be able to care for and look to helping other people. You know, I was thinking about Mark chapter 12 when Jesus is questioned about what the greatest commandment is. And Jesus responds, we all know this, the great commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I was thinking, what if you reverse that? If you don't love the Lord, are you really gonna love your neighbor? And here we have this picture of Jonah. Jonah rejects his relationship with God. He rejects his calling from God. He rejects the presence of God. And as a result of that, he rejects loving other people the way that God would call him to. Not only those that are in Nineveh, but now even the sailors that are taking him far away from the presence of God. Jonah is affecting so many people and he simply does not care. And that's what indifference will do in our lives as well. Indifference is where we literally do not have an interest, we don't have a concern, and we don't have a care for what's going on in the lives of other people. Maybe you remember in Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, where we read about Jesus being asleep in a boat in the middle of the storm. Jesus was facing a storm that potentially was from the enemy. It certainly wasn't a result of Jesus' sin. He never sinned. Jesus is promptly asleep. The disciples are freaking out. They wake Jesus up. Jesus gets up. You know the story. He rebukes the winds and the waves, and it says that the disciples are terrified. They say, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, they got too comfortable with the son of God who was in their boat. They thought they knew who Jesus was until that moment, and Jesus has compassion on them, and he releases. He just speaks peace to the storm. I believe it was a storm of the enemy. Jesus obviously is not experiencing this because of himself, but Jonah is a whole lot different than what we read about in Jesus's life in Mark 4.38. What we read about in Jonah is Jonah sins, he receives a consequence, he's in the middle of a physical storm, and he hides from it, and he doesn't care whatever happens. That's what indifference does. Jesus is the exact opposite of Jonah, and it's a very important parallel for us to make, realizing that there's a massive contrast, a massive difference. Which one do we want to be? like. We want to be like Jesus. When we're, faced in a, when we're facing a storm and we're in the middle of a trial and there are people around us, we want to step up like Jesus and act in faith just like he did speaking to the storm and the people that are in our lives are blessed as a result of it. We see, we see the power of God in that moment. See, Jonah isn't interested in seeing God at all. And that's what we read about from this story because sin does that to all of us. It brings about a sleepiness. See, Jonah is asleep in the middle of a storm that was brought on because of his own sin. Now that happens to, to us as well. And the parallel or the contrast is very serious. I actually think that this gives us insight to what it's like 
for any of us that might be sleeping Christians. Maybe we're sleepy Christians. We're asleep instead of awake. And we're living in a moment right now, friend, where we need to be awake to what God is doing and not asleep in the middle of this storm. We need to be awake in the middle of this storm so that we can lead our friends and our family and non-believers and non-Christians and people in society and the world. This is a time not for Christians to try to just, you know, fall asleep and not care about what happens to everyone else. We're supposed to be leading the way right now. We're supposed to be standing on the word of God, showing the way of God, not asleep because we are experiencing the consequences of our own sin. That is not our lot in life. That is not our calling from God. We've got to reject that way. But I wanted to share with you what it looks like when we're a sleepy Christian. Maybe this is a diagnosis of what it's like for us when we actually give ourselves to what we read about in Jonah's life. And we read about here, Jonah slept in a place where he hoped no one would see him or disturb him. And sleeping Christians like to hide out, sometimes even among the church, hoping nobody sees them. Jonah here slept in a place where he could not help with the work that needed to be done. He's in the bow of the boat and he's hiding. And sometimes sleepy Christians, you know, they stay away from the work of the Lord. They're not interested in serving we also see that Jonah slept while people were praying on the deck. They were praying to other gods, but, but Jonah didn't want to be a part of it. And sometimes, I would say sleepy Christians are not interested in prayer. They're not showing up to pray. They don't believe in prayer. They don't want to be around God. They don't want to call on God because if we call on God, the first thing we got to do is say, Father, forgive me for my sins as I also forgive others. We've got to say, Father, I repent for my sins as we come into his presence and we're not in a place where we're looking at God, where we're looking at his word, where we're responding to him. See, sleepy Christians know I can't just come to God without repenting. I have to repent first. And so they're not going to be people in prayer. They're not going to show up at the prayer meeting. They're not going to show up in the secret place or the public place. That's not going to happen for us if we're sleeping. Jonah slept and he had no idea of the problems that were going on around him. And I believe sleeping Christians don't know what is really going on. They, they can't see what's happening. They can't see what God wants to do. They don't have discernment. They're not able to check the pulse on what's happening right now and what we're supposed to be doing right now. They're not interested in hearing from the Lord. They're not interested in obeying what God says. Maybe just, we're just complaining. Maybe we're just giving our opinion. Maybe we're just sharing our view, but we're not praying. We're not seeking. We're not asking. We're not pressing in. We're not standing on the word. We're not rejecting the ways of this world and saying what God is saying. No, no, we're sleeping. We're asleep in the middle of a storm because that's what our sin does. Our sin causes us to compromise and capitulate and go down into the bow of our lives and just fall asleep there and get entertained or, or whatever it might be. And we also read Jonah slept when he was in great danger. And I believe sleeping Christians are in danger, but they don't realize it or take it seriously. When we're caught up in sin, we don't take it seriously. We get inoculated to what's going on in our lives. We don't think it's that bad. We don't think anything bad's gonna happen. Nothing that bad's gonna happen. I'm fine. Nobody's gonna get that affected. Nothing really that bad's gonna happen to me. I didn't do anything really that bad. Friend, if we're living in sin that's unrepentant, that's willful, that we're not literally coming to God with and praying about and seeking him over, if that's the case, and we're fleeing from God, we're fleeing from his word, or maybe we're just... Like Jonah didn't say anything to God. It was all indirect. 
it was a reaction. It was a response, but he spoke a lot louder with his actions and not just his words. But when that's the case, we don't take the consequences very seriously. Like nothing bad's going to happen. We also see Jonah slept while the non-Christian, we're just going to say, or the non-believer needed him. Sleeping Christians snooze on while the world needs our testimony. They need the gospel. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights. We've been sharing about how the world needs us to speak up. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is where Jesus, right before he ascends to be with the Father, and he shares with his disciples right after they ask him, is it at this time, Lord, that you're going to come into your kingdom and we're going to rule and reign with you? And he says, nobody knows the day or the hour, but you... You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And that's an interesting word, the Greek word martyrion. It's, it's about one who suffers. It's about one who literally is, not just does something, but is something. We don't witness. We are witnesses. Our life is meant to be a living piece of evidence to who God is and what God has done. Jesus rose from the dead, and because of the way we live, we point to a risen and living Savior. The Bible says we are witnesses And here's the thing, we're looking at Jonah right here. Is he a witness of Yahweh? Is he a witness of God in the middle of a storm and a difficulty, a trial? People are about to lose their lives. He's saying nothing. He's doing nothing. He's caring about no one. Listen, if we're asleep in the middle of our own storm, if we're sleeping when we should be seeking, if that's the case right now, then we are not witnesses. It's almost like, a witness that doesn't show up on the stand. Can you imagine that somebody, I mean, God forbid, but somebody got murdered and there was a person that was an eyewitness and they had the testimony to set this person that's accused. Somebody is wrongfully accused. They're innocent, but a person says, well, this person did it and they didn't. And, and we're the one that carry the testimony to say, no, this person didn't do it. Somebody else did. But if we don't show up and, and sit on the stand and be the witness, that person is going to remain guilty and not go free. Can you imagine that we actually have the ability to bring about justice because of what we're carrying, because of what we could say, because of what God's put in our lives, but we don't show up? See, that's what Jonah's doing. Jonah has the ability to call on the only true God. He's the one that brought this on to begin with. But right now, he could repent. He could give his life. He could turn right here and right now, and he's sleeping And this can happen when we're asleep. When we're asleep, we're sleeping instead of seeking. Other people will be harmed directly or indirectly. We are witnesses. We need to take the stand so that other people can get set free of their shackles and their shame and walk in the light as he is in the light. When we live in our sin, indifference will surely set in. Come on, you were waiting for a rhyme and I just gave you one. You're welcome. Are we asleep in the storm that we are facing right now? Are we running from what God is saying and what he's calling us to do? And as a result, becoming indifferent to the pain that's all around us? See, listen, God has called us to be the body of Christ. We are that f- the functional part of what he wants to do in the world that we are literally moving about, touching the lives of other people, bringing them into the family. But if the body is just dead and laid out on a stretcher and isn't moving and isn't doing anything, then we are not taking up our place 
and bringing love and life and hope into the world that God has called us to be a part of, but to do so in a way that represents him. Indifference has a way of bringing apathy and this, this sort of apathetic way where we become something other than what we are. It distorts who we are. It makes us something other than, and this is not where we want to be. We also read from this passage that Jonah's sin released confusion in others. In verse six, we read about where the pagan captain comes down and asks him, how are you sleeping right now? I, I, just, I just want to see how this got said. How are you sleeping in the middle of this? Don't you love it? Listen, it's amazing how a pagan captain has to come to a prophet of God and say, how in the world are you behaving like this? How is this where the, the, the posture, the place that you've accepted in the middle of this storm, how are you even doing this? That's the question that the captain asks because he's confused. Why Jonah isn't concerned about his life or the life of others. The people on the ship, it says they cast lots and it fell on Jonah. So they began to question him rigorously. It's confusing why Jonah wouldn't bring, you know, would bring trouble upon the people instead of blessing. It's confusing why those who worship other gods have to call out the one who worships the only true God. And I think this picture is familiar for us today as well, being Christians, People are confused why Christians don't look like or sound like or act like the Christ. People are confused when, when Christians who believe they have eternal hope and eternal life, they don't bring that hope to other people. They don't live with a eternal hope in such a way where it is offered and shared with others. People are confused when Christians, when they talk about forgiveness, but they're not very forgiving and they're not very merciful and they're judgmental. When we are judgmental, when we're not forgiving and we're not life-giving, people get confused. People are confused when calamity and difficulty happen. And Christians seem to care more about themselves when they preach that Christ is all about loving the world. It's confusing. It's mind-boggling. It's baffling. Friend, here's the thing. Now, I'm going to capitalize on this pandemic that we're in right now because none of us have ever been here before. And maybe you're tired of hearing it, but I'm not because we need to learn every lesson that God has for us right here and right now. And whatever God wants to teach us, we have to have ears that hear and eyes that see. And I believe this is very prophetic. This is a very prophetic message for us that we can be asleep in the middle of a storm. Maybe the storm wasn't brought on by us, but Christians have the answer. Christians have the cure because he is the only one true living God. Are we responding the way we're supposed to? Are we living the way that we're supposed to? Are we speaking the way that we're supposed to? Are we caving in to lesser things? Are we giving ourselves to other things? How are we posturing ourselves right now in the middle of this storm? Is it bringing confusion to other people? because of the one that we're following and it doesn't look like him. It doesn't sound like him. We're not acting like him. Here's what I would say to you. I'm not trying to bring guilt. I'm just saying our sin can bring about a storm and that storm can bring about indifference because we can harden our hearts. And when we harden our hearts, we start to act like something lesser than we are. And when we do that, it confuses people around us, the very people that God has called us to minister to. 
You and I are not just random people. If you name the name of Jesus, you're not just a random person. God is calling upon you. He's calling upon me to be a part of his mission, to bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. He certainly loves us, but he wants to love through us like a mighty raging river that touches everything along its banks. God has so much more for us, but when we give ourselves to sin and we flee the presence of the Lord, as we see from the story of Jonah, consequences befall us. And those consequences, when we don't respond the right way, those things can start to harden us. And then when we were supposed to be a minister to other people around us, we become a menace. We become a confusion. We become something otherly and it's mind-boggling. And friend, here's the thing that I'm thinking about. Humility needs to play a serious role in where we are right now. I don't know about you, but maybe God is using this pandemic, not because he brought it upon us, but maybe he wants to use it as discipline in our lives. Instead of complaining, and maybe we're griping, and maybe we're moaning. I'm not, I got my own issues, okay? I'm embarrassed to say some of the things that I probably need to say. But here's the reality. God wants to do some things in our lives right now. Are we wasting this moment? Are we wasting this storm? Are we confusing other people around us? Or are we becoming the example that Jesus wants us to become? That's what we want. That's what you want. That's what I want. We need to become the Christ-like example in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah, we want our voice to be heard, but for what purpose? So that other people could come to know the God that we serve or so that we could have something that we once had. What if everything was taken from us? What if we lose everything? Are we so scared that we can't be the people that bring the testimony of the Lord Jesus? Here's what moments like this make us realize. Maybe we weren't that before this happened. Maybe we were not people that were living pieces of evidence. Maybe we were not people that were seeking the justice of others. Maybe we were not people that we're bringing Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Maybe we were not generous. Maybe we were not kind. Maybe we were not loving. Maybe we were not those that looked like, acted like, and lived like the Jesus Christ that we are following. Maybe that is the truth, and God wants to discipline those whom he loves because we are legitimate children. He wants to prune us. He wants to purify us. He wants to set us free from selfishness. And in our freedom, we choose to give our freedom away. And we say, for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, because it's all about him. And my life can be only found in him because that's what it's all about. Maybe we've lost something or we could have just lost sight of it. Friend, I don't know what kind of humility that you need to enter into, but I can tell you from from my perspective and from my experience that God is pruning me. God is purifying me. And I care about our country. I care about our rights. I care about all that stuff. But I care most about following Jesus, obeying Jesus, making Jesus known. And if I'm in the middle of the storm and everyone that's looking around me is wondering what the heck I am doing, God wants to do something serious and something deep in our lives. And the only way that we can know and experience what he wants to do is by humbling ourselves. Are you ready to humble yourself? Are you ready to humble yourself before the living God? Can God speak to you? Can God speak to me right now in the middle of our storm and say, 
You're not positioned properly. You're not living the way that I want you to right now. And I'm going to use this in your life, even though I didn't bring necessarily this against you. I'm going to use this in your life if you'll receive it so that you're going to look more and more like me. You know, something I don't like is the mirror. I don't love the mirror. I have a love-hate relationship. On one hand, I need to look at what my hair looks like, whatever's left of it. I need to make sure that when I have a tie on that it looks straight. I need to make sure that colors match. I, I, I need it for that. So I, I love it in the sense that it reflects what I need to know, but I hate it because it always shows me something I don't want to see. I mean, I don't know if you're the type of person you look into the mirror and you say, you're welcome. I'm just not that kind of person. I look in the mirror and I kind of have, I have that like, I need to see it, but I don't like some of the other things that I see. And that really is the moment that we're in right now. God wants to put the mirror to us and say, this is what you look like. And if you're not careful, your sin, the sin that you might be ignoring, maybe it's not the sin of what you're doing, but it's the sin that you're of of withholding righteous behavior. We don't often reflect on that because we think, oh, I'm doing good, and we have a sense of morality. We have a sense of, of righteousness by restraining unrighteousness, but it doesn't necessarily equal the presence of righteous action. And see, Jesus was all about that. The Pharisees were trying to prove the things that they didn't do. But Jesus went about living in such a way focused on the things that he did do. And that is who he's called us to be. And here we have a great example in the book of Jonah. And we get to choose whether we read it as a, as a historical book, which it is, or we get to read it as those that humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, I don't want to live in any type of sin, whether it's what I'm doing or whether it's what I'm not doing. I pray that you put the mirror to my life because I need you to. I don't want indifference in my life, Lord. I want to care about people. I want to be compassionate about people. I want to care about their eternal destination, their soul, and also their present reality. There's one problem here. When we start to live in that lane of where sin takes us, it's just not who we are. And we've got to wake up to that fact. It's like I was thinking about a flashlight, and I just so happened to find one today. You know, when we, when we don't live the way God's called us to, it's it's, it's like a flashlight that doesn't, that doesn't actually have any light to it. I mean, this, this isn't very helpful in what it's created for if it doesn't shine light. It needs to shine light. That's why we buy it. That's why we use it. That's why we have it. But if, if this didn't shine light, then it would be in a drawer somewhere collecting dust, never used. Is that our life? Is our life like a flashlight that just doesn't work? that's run out of batteries, that's in a drawer somewhere, that's never useful, that's never called upon, that's never trusted in, that's never relied on, that's never asked of anything. Is that our life? Is our life a flashlight that doesn't work? Or is our life like a flashlight that works, that shines light in the darkness? That's what we need right now. We need to be light in darkness. God is calling you and God is calling me to be his heavenly light in the midst of the storm. It's not time to be sleeping. It's time to be seeking. It's time to be seeking right now. Father, we thank you that in this moment, you call us to rise up. You call us to rise up in the middle of a moment we don't understand, we weren't prepared for, we didn't foresee. You knew it was coming. And Lord, we read Jonah's story and we respond to you right now. Put the mirror to our life. Oh God, put the mirror to our life. We're not afraid to see what you need to show us.
because we will not live in indifference. We will not choose to actually not see what's in front of us right now. Lord, you want us to put our hand to this world. You want us to make a dent. You want us to push back darkness. You want us to shine the light of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we come to you and we repent for our sin of indifference. We repent, Lord, for sleeping when we should be seeking you, when we should be praying. We've been sleepy Christians, and God, we say no more over our church, over this region, over the Christians in this area, in our home. We say no more. We deny, we renounce, and we reject the sin of indifference, the sin of apathy. We reject it right now. We declare war on it in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, may you not have to send a storm to us to put that mirror in front of our lives. We just pray by your Holy Spirit that you would show us where we are, God, because you want to bring us far beyond what we could ask or think. But you need our yes, and you need us to humble ourselves. And so right now, we do that. We humble ourselves. We need you. Thank you, God. Would you right now just say to the Lord that you need him? You need him to show you where you're at. You need him to help you to repent. We need God. We can't just keep on going the way that we've been going. We're all on pause. We've got to turn. We've got to turn about and say, Lord, maybe I wasn't where I need to be. Will you show me that? By your precious Holy Spirit, will you make me the light that shines in the darkness? Confess it to him. No excuses. No getting out of it. No, nothing of the past works anymore. Things are stripped away from us. And that's okay. It's okay, because God knows exactly what to do. We cannot be asleep in the middle of our storm. We're learning, learning from Jonah today. As I was praying, I received some prophetic words. And before I share those, our uh, prayer ministry's pastor, Darby Mack, she shared with me some words of knowledge that she received, believing that God's going to bring about healing. And the first one was somebody has pancreatic cancer. Maybe that's the diagnosis that you've just received, or maybe that's what you're facing. And so we speak over you right now in Jesus' mighty name. We cancel the diagnosis. We speak healing over you right now that every cancerous cell would be evicted out of your body and that God would cleanse you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. We renounce, we renounce that, that story, that account, that diagnosis that's been proclaimed over your life. Also, she saw somebody's right ankle has pain or problems with it. And so we just speak right now that just the warmth of the Holy Spirit, the healing gift, the healing power of the Holy Spirit would be released over your right ankle and be restored in Jesus' name. Now listen, as we prophesy and as we pray, God answers us. We have testimonies coming in every time we share words, every time. Sometimes people don't receive their healing right away. Sometimes people receive a prophecy and that prophecy is meant to be received in time, in due season, but it releases an expectation and a faith for us to lay hold of our healer rather than our sickness. I also had a vision where I saw, and this is a little sensitive, and so I don't fully understand what I'm about to say, but I'm gonna say it the best way that I understood it. I saw someone that had just um, come into some information about a person that you know 
and it's not public knowledge where they have been abused, that you actually have this information and you're trying to figure out what you need to do with that information. And here's what I heard the Lord say, that he has given you this information to bring about justice. And your first step is going to be the wisdom that he'll give you is to bring someone else into this situation that will help you. Don't do this on your own. Do not hold this information in. It's painful, but God's called you to bring about justice. You have this information because he's called you to bring about his justice. So Lord, we pray over that right now that that information would not attack this person, but it would actually bring about the justice that you so desire. We follow you in that, Lord, and we ask for you to give wisdom to this person. In Jesus' name. I also saw somebody that you were struggling with depression, and I know this is the season that we're in right now, but I saw some young people, in particular, I saw a young man that just graduated or graduation reminded him of something. I saw him sitting in his room and there was like a depression over him. And uh, maybe you're the parents of this young man and you're concerned about how he's feeling and what he's walking through, not really able to share his emotions, not really um, something that he does right now. But I just want to tell you that God is breaking the power of depression and he does that by giving hope. God releases hope and it replaces that depression. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily clinical depression, but this was a depression that seemingly was circumstantial. And somehow like this graduation season was reminding this individual, and there were more than one. They were, it was reminding them of something that caused them to just sink into this quicksand that was trying to get at something that was much deeper. And here's what we say. God, we ask you right now to break the power of depression and replace it with supernatural hope, supernatural wisdom, and joy. Because we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I pray that, that young, those young people would totally turn their hearts over to you in this moment and receive what you have in exchange for what they're feeling. And the last thing was I saw a grandparent and uh, I just believe there was a, a difficulty that you have with one of your kids, an adult kid, I believe it was, or, or at least a young adult, if not a full-on adult. And uh, I, I had a, this, these were the two states that came to my mind. I know it sounds crazy, but as I was praying and I saw this grandparent, I believe the Lord was saying, I'm going to bring reconciliation to them, but this, your, your child or your, your kid does not live in this state. They live in, I, these were, I don't know which one it was, but I saw Virginia and I saw Kansas. And that was what I saw. And I believe that the Lord, it, if that's accurate, they live there or some, there's some connection that, needs to, that needed to be made for this word of knowledge um, to be received with greater clarity. But the Lord's going to give you the wisdom to reach out. The Lord's going to give you the wisdom to restrain things that could be said, maybe even should be said. He's going to give you wisdom to navigate that relationship. And we prophesy reconciliation that doesn't just come by what you do, but it comes by what God will do. As we lay hold of his promise together, he may ask you to do something but God will do something in, in response. He puts his super on our natural. When we exercise what we can in the natural, God responds spiritually to that. 
natural acts of faith bring about spiritual results. Remember that. Natural acts of faith bring about spiritual results. And God is calling you to something right now. And I believe he will bring about a testimony for his own glory and for the reconciliation of your family. And so, Father, we pray over that right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We pray for reconciliation over our families, with our children, with our kids, with our adult kids. We thank you for what you're doing. We believe in you. And as we close up this time, Lord, we just ask that we would not run from you. We would not submit or yield to the sin of indifference, but we would rise up. And as we worship you, Lord, we're reminded that in whatever way we needed to repent, you're quick to respond and restore us. We need you to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would as we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.